Self Outreach is a student-run registered charity based on the campus of Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Our goal is to facilitate needs-based peer-to-peer health discussions on a local, national, and international scale. This podcast is for those who are interested in health, global health, global development, ethical engagement, and education. Join us and our special guests bi-weekly as we chat about discussions surrounding all these topics and more. We would like to thank the CFRC 101.9 and the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences for this collaboration. Additionally, we would like to acknowledge that Queen's University is situated on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. We're so grateful to be able to live, learn, and work on these lands. Hey everyone, welcome back to QHO on Air, and welcome to episode four of the podcast. It's your host, Kate, and today I'm joined with two very special guests. First, I had the pleasure of speaking with Amber Stratton, one of the founders and owners of the Health and Wellness Empire, Pure in Ottawa. Amber is one of the strong women behind Pure Yoga and Pure Kitchen, and I've been seriously fangirling over her since I was in high school. Amber uses movement and good food to connect with her soul, and her outlook on life is super inspiring. Amber and I chat about her experiences as an entrepreneur, the mind-body connection, and the power of movement. In the second half of the episode, I chat with my good friend and past QHO member, Liz Stanton. Liz found her passion for global health as a peer educator on the Guyana Initiative. Currently, Liz is pursuing her master's in global health at McMaster University. Liz's energy is seriously contagious, and we have such a fun conversation. I had so much fun recording this episode with these two hardworking and ambitious women. In case you can't tell, both Amber and Liz are role models for me, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I'm so excited to introduce Amber to the podcast. Amber is one of the owners of the Pure Life brand. Today, the brand consists of four yoga studios, three of which are in Ottawa and one in Toronto, a fitness studio, four vegetarian restaurants, a cocktail lounge, a clothing store, and two online platforms. Amber is a health and wellness guru in Ottawa, and she has seriously mastered the art of balance. Welcome, Amber, and thank you so much for joining us today. I guess to get going, um, can you tell our listeners uh, about Pure and what makes your corporate culture stand out amongst other businesses in Ottawa? I started as just a kind of little one little yoga studio in Westboro. Uh, we will be nine in March of 2021. Wow. And I know and it's crazy. I can't believe it. Time yeah. Uh, and we started at the yoga studio and our vision. So my partner, um, who's my best friend since grade six, uh, Jen Dalglish, and I started off um, Pure Yoga, always had a vision of having like a cafe or a kitchen like component kind of like um, just to kind of complete the lifestyle. I think we, we didn't initially start off being like, we want to be a lifestyle brand, but we were kind of just like organically going in that direction without knowing it. Culture of Pure to me is just really, is a lifestyle and it's kind of like, you know, living your, your healthy lifestyle um, in by doing in studio, but by doing physical activity, then the kitchen component kind of came in as like, what, what do you do when you leave your, your yoga space and how do you fill yourself up otherwise and take care of yourself off of your mat? And to me, that's just like healthy eating and organic Mm -hmm. eating is such a huge, huge part of how we take care of ourselves outside of our physical practice. Yeah. I love that. So, okay. I guess that's a bit about pure. And then can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what does a day in the life of Amber look like? 
I'm like a Gemini and I can and I totally feel that. But to meet me, um, you probably wouldn't know, ever suspect that I might be a little bit detail oriented about very strange things. Okay. Um, <laughs> but a day in my life, I mean, uh, we're COVID right now, so it's obviously changed a lot. Yeah. But um, in the way that my job works, sometimes I feel like I'm have a ton of, I have a ton on the go, like a ton of meetings, just depending on mm-hmm. what cycle we're in for, if I'm just connecting with our teachers or, um, we have a lot going on. And, and right now, just with the studios being quiet with it, with having less workshops and less trainings happening, there's just kind of, there is, there is obviously a lot less going on, but I've managed to fill my time by building some online platforms on the side. Yeah. So um, in COVID, I started a platform for the ritual class, which um, is something I'm really passionate about teaching along with yoga. And it's a lot, it's a lot more of like a hit kind of workout. Have you done a ritual class? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, Yeah. but um, so I actually um, just had to learn during COVID how to do all of those things. So you yeah. might be surprised to know that I am the video editor. I am the recorder. Oh, I am wow. the teachers. I am the you content. You do it all. I, I, <laughs> I do it all. Yeah. So that kind of was a learning curve for me during yeah. COVID. I had no one else to work and yeah. it's been kind of cool to, to learn something new and do that, but it's, it definitely keeps me busy. Yeah. And so then I guess we're chatting about ritual. Do you want to tell everyone like, like, how did you even come up with the idea of ritual? Um, how would you describe it? What so do you to yeah. me, ritual is everything I love about fitness and meditation um, in one. So I was I took a class in New York probably five years ago that um, is very similar to ritual, and I just fell in love with it and kind of left being like, I need to do this. I need to bring this back to my city. And I kind of looked into their structure and you could only actually take their training if you lived in New York city. So I'm like, okay, but that's not happening. Yeah. So how do I take something from it and make it my own? And that's essentially what I did. Um, so it's a blend of it's, it's basically, I mean, really very Jane Fonda inspired aerobics. Yeah. Um, I would say the repetition and the heart opening um, is from Kundalini really. If you've ever done any Kundalini yoga, then you would actually see that heart opener as a big, um, component of it. Right. And then the mindfulness in between, um, is just to me, part of the spiritual kind of journey and the work that we do, um, off of our mats in yoga. Mm. Um, so I love the combination of it. It's like I said, everything that I love about fitness and meditation and yoga. And I'm just so fascinated, um, by, the power of our, of our thoughts and setting affirmation and intention and, uh, visualization and just like manifesting. Yeah. Um, like co-creating like with the universe, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, um, I feel like, I don't think I knew it at the time, um, when I was creating pure and on my journey to where I am now, how much manifestation work I was just doing naturally. Yeah. Sitting on being like, this is what I am right now. I was, I wasn't like creating vision boards or anything, right. but just the way that I operate, it's almost kind of just always been part of who I am. Mm-hmm. But I feel like only looking back now, I can kind of understand that that's what I was doing. 
Yeah. Like, do you think mindful living has always been something you've practiced or is it something you've adopted over time? Um, my mom is a healer. So that's like a very vague term and it's, yeah, um, you know, but it's, um, I definitely grew up in a spiritual home and, okay. um, from a very young age, for some reason, I was very, very fascinated by I'll say like figuring out like what I was like what's wrong with me like Mm. I just wanted to know always more about about myself and kind of started doing this work in my in my late teens interestingly enough like I remember getting like a self-help book just like you know and going through and doing the part and kind of just, just kind of uncovering those, those dark places that we all have. And I just was always very fascinated by it. And I still am like just everything around me. When I look at a thing, it's not the thing. It's like watching how you react and understanding your patterns and your triggers and, and, and what the real underlying cause of them is. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's just something that I think it's really cool that mindfulness has become a term that we use now. Cause I, you know, I think we could all look at older generations and my mom, I look was like, I think very ahead of her time and in, in many ways that mm. being one of them, but we look at your grandparents and stuff like that just wasn't something that they did. And it's because it just wasn't, it wasn't a conversation that anybody was having. So it's kind of neat that we, we have that ability and all of these opportunities to, you know, get help and and fix our shit and move on from it understand why we why humans behave the way that we do yeah no for sure and do you think like so did you discover yoga kind of at that same time like in your late teens when you started doing some of this like journaling and meditation practice or what I definitely went to yoga for the physical practice okay I'm just gonna say that for sure I was yeah uh, you know, probably like a lot of young girls, like struggling with body image mm-hmm. and like, eating disorder and yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff around that for me. Um, and I was going to yoga. I was going to Bikram cause that was a, kind of what everyone did then. It was like super, right. Like hot. sick, hot yoga, yeah, on, like steroids, like, <laughs> kind of like hell. Like, and it was, it was 90 minutes, which was incredibly hard for me. Did you do this in Ottawa? Did they, they had Bikram yoga? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 But, um, and I, and it's like, I hated it, but I, then I was leaving feeling so amazing. And that's what Mm. kept me me going back. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then I ended up in my teacher training, I think when I was 26. So. Okay. And do you think. I finished. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think like your relationship with physical activity has changed over time? Cause I guess like you've been active your whole life and you've been doing yoga for so long. Um, but yeah, I do think like even your relationship with I, yoga has changed. changed. It's like, I, I move my body to feel, um, just to feel good on, a, mm-hmm. on an emotional level more than anything. Like I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, doing the things that I probably did in my early twenties where I was just like trying to do as many crunches as possible. Like, yeah, almost like, you know, training for, a way to look as opposed to a way to feel. Yeah. So, um, my, like my whole mentality around in that aspect of my life around like food and exercise and diet, I'm so grateful that I was able to heal from that because it, it can mm-hmm. be a really dark place to spend time and energy. Yeah. And it's almost like when you're in it, it's like almost being obsessive with like being healthy 
But in a way, like now that you're not obsessive and you do it because it feels good and just because you enjoy it, like that's so much more of like a healthier, like outlook and perspective. Yeah. And it takes time to get there. And I, Mm -hmm. like anyone who's listening, who's struggling with anyone like that, like it is possible to, to truly heal from it. Cause I Mm -hmm. will say like, Oh, if you have an eating disorder, this, whatever, it's always going to be part of you. And I don't believe that to be true at all. Mm. Was there something, do you think, like, specifically for, like, your journey and, like, healing, was there something that really, like, helped you kind of, like, climb out of it? Or was it just time or, like, um, how, yeah. I think um, the moment that I realized I could eat, like, three healthy meals in a day yeah. and exercise and, like, it's just, like, and not get fat. I'll just say it like like it is yeah. what it was at that time. Honestly. Um, and it's, it seems ridiculous, but it's, like, when you make something your enemy, like it stays your enemy. Mm-hmm. Just, so almost just like become a friend with like, yeah. and do the exercise. Like you're saying like, you almost like hated the 90 minutes of the Bikram. And it's almost like, wait a sec, like I can do exercise and enjoy it. And I can eat food yeah. and actually like enjoy it. Exactly. It's like you, it's like you heal, have to heal like that relationship, you know? Cause it's, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing it's a great it's a big part of my life like I, my favorite thing to do is go out and have great food with my friends like literally same I know especially during COVID I was laughing I was like I think I've exercised a lot and I've eaten a lot of good food yeah right <laughs> for sure so yeah I guess also just like that connection between like the mind-body connection and how mental and physical health are so intertwined mm-hmm. and I feel like that's also like a conversation that people are only just starting to talk about now it's so interesting because I I um we treat our minds and our bodies like two separate entities often like we treat you know our brain for anxiety and then we treat mm-hmm. our bot like like we literally in western culture for the most part separate them as if they're they're separate yeah but like I if you use weird examples like you say to someone like have you ever had a knot in your stomach mm-hmm. if something happens and you receive the, the information and then you physically feel it in your body. Yeah. So it's like, sometimes when you give people or like you're, or like when you cry, like that is a response to, to an emotion, like a physical response. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I definitely believe that we energetically hold things in our bodies. Um, and there are so many different ways to clear it out. And for me, like, ritual is huge and we use like movement sound sweat music and just it's like a really cool little journey but there's there's so many ways to release emotion and it doesn't need to be through words all the time for everybody Mm. I love that paying attention to how you feel when you when you do certain things and just starting to understand and connect to what an outlet is for for you because for me like meditation can be move, moving as well. It doesn't have to be seated, you know? Right. Um, okay. Do you have a mantra or like, is there something you like, even just like a phrase or something that like you repeat to yourself right now specifically? Yeah. I'm just working with, um, just being a conscious creator and designing a beautiful life. Mm is, is what I'm, is what I'm working with. So in my ritual practice, like I'm just always reminding myself that I am a, I am a creator and I am creating. 
uh, I always have something that I'm doing next. It's just the way that I am. And yeah. it's, it's like, I'm, I love my job and I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to, to do what I've done and have success um, in, on, in different ways. And, you know, everyone's de- definition of success is, is different. It's not really for me about money, but it's um, mm-hmm. pretty cool that I've been able to just thrive in an industry that I love and I love people and I love community and connecting but I'm always I am always like okay what is what's the next five or ten years of my life look like right so I'm I am also I'm creating right now I've just uh launched my well I started my Instagram and I'm working on my website to start a business mentorship and coaching uh program that I'll launch in 2021 that's so cool so I guess like yeah, even for like business, you don't necessarily like, it's not like you have like a background per se, like in like business school or business training, um, right? Yeah. Like you and Jen just kind of like jumped in that together and like learned as you went. Yeah, I learned as I went, <laughs> I learned a lot. Um, yeah. I have, we have another partner and he's uh, a very dear friend of mine and has been an extraordinary like business mentor for me. Yeah. Along the way, um, he's a very successful, I will call him like a serial entrepreneur. My husband is also an entrepreneur. Um, and my mom, like, I've just been like surrounded by these like forces. Yeah. <laughs> so I've definitely had mentorship all along the way, but learned a lot, but no, I, I, I have a grade 12 education Yeah. and, and, a, and some yoga and a bunch of yoga teacher training. <laughs> That's what Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, I honestly think that that just goes to show that like, we can learn like in so many different ways. And even just like you're saying, like through COVID, like learning, oh yeah, I also edit this and I do that just like through experience and like creativity oh, yeah. and exploration. Absolutely. It's like, I always say this, like you can learn anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you, can, you can memorize stuff. You can learn how to do it. It's like the, the scary part of opening a business is not that I don't know how to balance my books. That's why I hire an accountant. Yeah. The scary part is the same for everybody. It's doing it. It's, uh, it's, it's like putting yourself out there. It's risking uh, like a lot. It's risking investment. It's risking money. It's risking time. It's, it's, that's the part that's hard. The other stuff you, you learn, Mm -hmm. you always just outsource what you don't, like I said, I'm not an expert in accounting. So why would I risk messing up my books? you know, you hire yeah, no, honestly, like your time and energy, when you know that, like what you're good as like that community part and the physical activity part and like the creativity. Yeah. And the passion, like, that's just like, for yeah. who's huge. like your passion is always going to shine through and like, nobody can replace that. Yeah. And then I guess, sorry, it's just popped in my head, but I had, so you and Jen met in grade six, you said, yeah, and then is this something that you guys would like joke around with like in your early twenties and like, or like late teens, like, Oh, we should open like a yoga studio together. Or like, how long did you think about it before you actually just like took the risk? I mean, we, we were kind of uh, like, we were never really planning. Like I, I, I wasn't someone who was always so set on figuring out what I was going to do. Like I kind of knew mm. I got that, like I'd figure out eventually, but I definitely, yeah spent my time in my 20s traveling partying like just yeah. living very carefree um and I only really started probably was honestly like 28 I was like shit like 
what am I going to do? Getting close to 30. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, maybe I should start thinking about like, what am I going to do with my life here? Um, And I was living in Australia at the time and I was teaching there yoga. And I'd been teaching for a few years before I left for Australia. And Mm -hmm. I just, Jen was living in Victoria and I messaged and said, why don't we move back to Ottawa and open a yoga studio? And she was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And when I got home and I talked to my, my friend, who's also now my business partner and like, you know, I'm interested. And I was like, okay, like, so um and he was our first uh he's on he's a partner so I won't call him an investor but he he invested in 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 as as people essentially is what you're doing you're taking on someone that you believe is gonna is gonna do something great so yeah we we never really were you know we we did have a little store when we were in grade six like where we made like um (laughs) you know what FEMO is (laughs) no Fimo's almost like Play-Doh and you cook it. So we made like Fimo and like some like <laughs> jewelry. Yeah. We like made a sign and we like set up our business. And I, I, I grew up in Manatic and I had like, yeah. a, like an old farmhouse and we had like a barn. So we like set up in the barn and we just like literally sat there and waited for people to come into our store. Nobody came. But <laughs> Oh my goodness. That was yeah. just foreshadowing the fact like, you're going to be business yeah. owners. We went down to the to local like fashion store and yeah. we went in, like so confidently to the woman like, listen, like we want to sell you our jewelry. And it was in like a shoe, like a Converse box or something. And then and just looking back, like she must have just thought it was the cutest thing ever. But she was like so it was like some of the stuff was like burnt. Like it wasn't that oh my gosh, that's it awesome. Looked, like, it looked like kids made it. Yeah, and which they did. Let, she, yeah, they did. <laughs> then she let us. Uh, God bless her. She let us sell it at their like, like, no. like, a, uh, like a sidewalk sale. So she yeah. let us set a table. Up. Wow, that's that is, uh, journey. That's great. That's how it all started. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Honestly, though, I love how you even said like, like you're carefree in your twenties, like twenty, or like you know what? Maybe I'll start now. And just showing, like, I feel like even for me, like I'm graduating this year and I feel like I often feel like, oh my gosh, like I need to have my life figured out. Like I need to have my five-year plan, like where I'm making me living. But honestly, like, I feel like I needed that just like a reminder, like everything ends up working out. Yeah. Even when I went to Australia, I was 28 and I felt like, you know what, before I left, I was bartending. I was making really good money. I was teaching a bunch. Yeah. I even, I had the sense then, which I'm so grateful that I was like, and I went with my, um, my boyfriend at the time. And he was like, do you want to go? Like he wanted to go to his teaching, his teacher's college there. And I yeah. was like, and I, I had this sense of time to say like, okay, right now I'm like, I'm 28. But then I'm like, I know I'm going to look back if I don't go and say to myself, fuck Amber, you were only 28. Yeah. Like, why did you not do that? Honestly? Like, oh my gosh, there's so much time. And I feel yeah. like there's so much, maybe more pressure. Like I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm so, I'm so happy that for whatever reason I didn't, my parents never had that pressure on me. Yeah. And just like everybody like figures it out in their own time. And when I was ready, I was obviously ready. Like yeah. I went literally zero to a hundred. I was like, okay, yeah. let's fucking do this. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. like all or nothing. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like you're, yeah, you just like listen to your gut. eh? like, yeah. And it just, it takes time to figure things out. It's like, we're yeah. like, why are we so impatient with ourselves? Like mm-hmm. just- and that everyone's journey is like slightly different too. So you don't need to compare and be like, Oh, my friend, Sally, she's also 28 and she's doing this with her life. Like for sure. And no point comparing. Like, like, I also just really believe that, um, 
if you're working towards like a passion project, like there's just other stuff that kind of needs to be sorted out before Mm. on a personal level, like just like getting through your own, like doing your own inner work first so that you can truly shine in whatever it is that you're, you're putting your energy to in. Cause then sometimes you'll get, you'll try to do it the other way around and people can end up really miserable and just getting caught up in what other people are doing in competition and looking outside of their own lanes and letting other people pull them away from what's important. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Like no, when for you, sure. Like you have to just like stay with your vision and just trust and also believe there's room for other people. I'm very impressed that pure yoga is like continue to just like keep tracking along so many cool different like online platforms, different projects, like, yeah, and that's really cool that you're saying about your business, like mentorship in 2021. Yeah. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. We're definitely like, we're, we're trying to keep our heads up. Like it's, it's, yeah, I'm, it's not easy and yeah. it hasn't been, but it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to see it from a perspective of like, as an entrepreneur, I'm definitely mm-hmm. one of the things that I never would have learned, um, the way that we've set ourselves up to hopefully like fully come through this is huge. Like it's just, you know, being smart over all that time with Mm. what you do, how you invest, what you do with your money. Okay. Well, I guess do you want to just tell our listeners how they can get involved with Pure Yoga? Um, So I guess not necessarily everyone will be from Ottawa, um, but I guess through COVID now you've, you've got a couple different online platforms going. We do. Yeah. Yeah. So I love them. So I have, we have Pure Life TV, which is a combination. We have yoga, we have fitness on there. We have a couple uh, recipes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit more like a, kind of like the, the lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and there's a ton of classes on there. We've worked really hard on, on bringing that platform. Yeah. I um, see because you guys do some live classes throughout we as well too. We have a full live schedule. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, it's pure, pure life.tv. Yeah. And then my ritual program and both of these platforms have a free 14 day trial. So, um, wow. ritual is join the ritual.co. Okay. I can so, link these in the description to yeah. the podcast. Yeah. And you can find me on Instagram. It's just my name on Instagram is pure Yogi Amber. And then obviously you'll be able to find all that stuff, um, mm-hmm. through me as well. <laughs> yeah. I can attest that the yoga and ritual are life changing. <laughs> Sounds it's so cheesy, but through. it's gotten me through. Trust me. Honestly, though, and yeah, I find like just like when there's so much on the outside and from the news and everything in the world and everything outside feels so chaotic. It's so important just to like recenter yourself, like take yeah. a breath. And- it really is, and it's um, you know, if you're getting too caught up in the media right now, it's it's can really pull you mm-hmm. in, right so I try yeah. to stay away from that make sure that I know when to apply for my loans and what's happening with the rent yeah other than that I'm just washing my hands wearing my mask and chilling as much as I can honestly I yeah. totally support that okay well thank you so much Amber for chatting with us today on the podcast and we're back I'm now honored to introduce Liz Stannon to the podcast. On a side note, Liz is a yogi herself and used to work at Pure Kitchen in Ottawa, so it felt super suiting for her and Amber to be in the same episode. 
Liz graduated from Queen's University in the spring of 2020 with a Bachelor of Science uh, with specialization in kinesiology. While at Queen's, Liz was one of the athletic therapists for the varsity football team, and she was an active member on Queen's Health Outreach. If you know Liz, you know she loves everything cooking and baking, and I highly recommend following her food account at Eats by Elizabeth on Instagram. This fall, Liz pursued her passion in global health, and she's doing her master's at McMaster University. Welcome, Liz. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. This is so fun. This is awesome. So as I mentioned, Liz was a peer educator uh, with our Guyana initiative, and then she went on to do outreach work with QHO, and then she was also one of our initiative directors last year. Um, So Liz, do you want to tell us uh, just a little bit about why you chose to apply to QHO? Yeah, for sure. So I was, um, I guess I was 18 when I applied to QHO, and I honestly, being fully transparent, didn't know too much about it, but um, our outreach committee um, did such a great job of coming into my second year classrooms that I just kept hearing about it. It was like, oh my gosh, this sounds like such a cool organization. And I was hearing all about it through Frosh Week. Um, And then when I found out that it was only run by students, I feel like that's what really drew me to it I couldn't believe I really couldn't believe it I was like well that's impossible there must be some professor or some adult who's running this and I could not believe how much they'd accomplished and how big of an international presence QHO had Mm. just from like these super passionate driven students and then once I started researching QHO I was like okay well I I will be crushed if I don't get this position so I feel like I put my heart and soul into my application and the group interview and I, yeah, so I guess I was really just drawn to it from hearing about it in classes and then just doing my own personal research. And I was like, wow, this literally sounds amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, you were chosen as one of the Guyana peer educators. Um, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about where in Guyana you went um, and like the community that you worked in during your initiative? Yeah, for sure. Um, I ended up going to East Verbeese Quarantine which is kind of, I feel like that's like an interesting word right now, but East quarantine. And I was there. That's more of like the rural part of Guyana, whereas the other five, uh, the other four peer educators were in um, Georgetown, which is the capital of Guyana. So Mm -hmm. definitely had very different experiences. And um, we would go to, we would go from anywhere from like three different schools a day to five or six different schools every day. And in Guyana, you take taxis everywhere. Um, so you like put your thumb up if you're going far and your thumb down if you're going somewhere close. And wow. we would take uh, just like on the side of the road, you like would go from one school to the next. So it was such a cool experience because it wasn't like some of the other initiatives where you're in the same school teaching different classes all day. It would be like, I would teach or peer educate um, grade sixes to grade nines, just in totally different settings in totally different schools, um, all really in this like five kilometer stretch. Wow, Um, so you got to reach like so many different students in the community. Yeah, which was super, super cool. And it was also very interesting. We got to teach at, um, it was, we got to teach at the Burbese Islamic School, which was a pretty interesting experience because it's not only that we are teaching at different schools, but with different religions and different traditions, which we definitely had to alter the curriculum based on those right. needs, which I think really fed into the um, like needs-based education because 
different schools needed different things from us, which was really interesting seeing that firsthand once we actually got there and got to speak with the headmasters and ask and ask them what they were really looking for for their students. Right. And did you find like that would mean like different schools would want you educating on different topics or is it more just like the way in which um, you like interacted with the topic would be different? Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, probably your first point that different schools want us teaching different things. So some of the um, classrooms that we were in with uh, what we would call grade seven and eight, um, they would want us to focus more on like cyberbullying or mm. peer pressure. Whereas some of the older, like the schools we'd be in where we were with the older classrooms, they'd want more like sexual education and talk about right. like and HIV AIDS and then with little like grade sixes it was kind of just more fun and talking about like normalizing um they love the penis and the vagina game and (laughs) saying those words as loud as they like scream the words yes yes so that was pretty interesting just being able to cover a wide I mean it made for quite the quite a lot of work with lesson planning but it was interesting in a day, I got to cover so many different topics. Yeah. Do you have a favorite memory from initiative? I know you probably have a lot, but is there anything that sticks out in your mind? Hmm. I could go on forever talking about favorite uh, moments, but I guess um, since we're talking about the classrooms and yeah, with the students, um, one of I guess one of my favorite and one of my hardest moments was this one classroom. They were what we would consider grade sevens. Um, it was I was with my teaching partner Delaney, and we adored this class. They were just the best, and they would get so excited to see us. Like I've never seen kids more excited to learn about like peer pressure and social situations. Right. And they, they were just everything we learned, we, uh, everything we, were, we would talk about and discuss, they would compete, put their hands up in the air. And that was yeah. I every Monday and Thursday. And that was a pretty much a highlight. And then on our last day, each and every single one of them coming up and just saying like how much they enjoyed and how much they looked forward to seeing QHO all year. And mm. they couldn't believe that we were the ones that they got. It was just like so special and they all wrote us cards and I still have all of them and little notes and pictures. Yeah. And they tell like how much they love the question box. And I don't know, it was just that one class, like the energy I would, if I was ever tired going there, I would leave with like so much energy. Cause it was like, okay, look at all these, you know, 12 to 13 year olds who want to ask questions and are active listeners and, you know, want to make a difference. And, you know, if you, if they're yeah. teaching their, their siblings about proper sex education or why mental health matters so much and these concepts that they didn't know before and they're so excited about it mm-hmm. that was just like uh, unbelievable my they were at the school called JC and they were my 7D class and I love them <laughs> oh that's amazing um so do you think like did QHO change your perspective on global health oh 100% one hundred percent. And I, I really, I think a lot of people feel this way before joining QHO. There's this huge misconception that people in the global South, not even just the global South, but in, you know, in communities where access to health education isn't necessarily at the, on a list of priorities, you just think that they're worse off 
or that they, like this concept right. of they, I've talked mm, to like us versus them as well too. Yes, totally. It's like you, you think of this divide in your head, which I think once I got there, I was like, okay, A, why did I ever think that? Because it's mm. kind of like everyone, they're all humans. Like we're all, yeah. you know, experiencing this life together. And it's like, why did I have these preconceptions in my head? And B, they have so, not they, I shouldn't say they, like these cultures that QHO goes to and that I was so fortunate enough to experience in Guyana, all the people in this East Burbese quarantine community were, had so many rich cultural aspects of their lives and Mm -hmm. in education and the way that they talk to others that in some ways it seemed so much more interesting than my life back home. And so Mm -hmm. that that really shifted my perspective on global health that yes, they, you know, don't have the same healthcare curriculum that we do or that, you know, hospitals look very different there and drugstores look very different there in a very literal sense in that sense of health, but right. They have so many different things that are practiced and like believed in that make it such a rich part of their culture that global health, I think once I realized that it has to look different in different scenarios, it's not like a, it's not a one size fits all type of thing. Global health is not just what we do in, you know, Canada shouldn't be what these communities are doing in Right. Yeah, it has to be situation yeah. specific and kind of realizing that and coming to that real, like discovering that and yeah. being initiative was huge. And that totally changed my perspective on health. And I know that um, I've talked to Kate about this before, that it's easy to get a little bit frustrated when you get back from initiative, when people are like, oh, well, you did such great charity work. It's like, mm-hmm. don't understand. Like, it's not, I'm not doing this charity work. It's like, I'm engaging these young adolescents in these really interesting topics. I'm not doing them charity work. We're like, yeah, the snowball effect of getting the conversation, like reducing stigma. And yeah, so I know that was a long ramble to answer that question. But yes, I, in short, it totally changed my perspective on yeah. No, I really appreciate that answer. That was really good. Um, Okay, well, I guess now we can chat a bit about because you are pursuing a master's in global health. Um, So do you think QHO kind of like um, helped like move you in that direction? And like, what are you learning right now in your master's of global health? Yes. um, So I am doing my MSc at McMaster in their global health program, which... um, 100 and 1000% was influenced (laughs) by QHO. I learned about this program through people who had um, pursued it from like previous years in uh, QHO and um, just like word of mouth in this organization. And I, I feel like I went into Queens. I did my BSc in kinesiology. Yeah. And I was like, go to Queens and I'm going to go to med school and I'm going to be a like, um, pediatric physician yeah and then QHO I totally changed my perspective and this MSc is so interesting because I it's very different than I thought it would be in the sense that we talk a lot more about like the nitty-gritty things about global health and you know governments and regulations and the barriers that exist and why funding is such a huge issue and we talk a lot about, you know, post-colonial influences that have to be avoided and have to, we have to 
constantly as a society, you know, just we talk a lot in this masters about the North versus the South, the global North versus the global right. South. And kind of what I spoke to earlier about, um, you know, there isn't a one size fits all and mm. acknowledging that in this global health masters and looking about like, how do you empower these systems and these societies in the global South to, um, you know, be a self-sufficient machine in a sense. We talk a lot about that in this master's, which is super, super interesting. And I think that, you know, that's where I see myself taking this is doing research into communities on how to make them, you know, if there's a problem, how to fix it, but how they can fix it on their own, because just pouring a bunch of money money in a one-time fundraiser into a community and being like, okay, great, here's all this money. It's like, yeah. well, they've seen this much money before. How do you think they're going to handle, you know, right. allocation of funds and um, distributing resources where they need to be distributed? It's like, no, you have to go in and create these systems that hopefully will, you know, be sustainable in the long term, which I know that's what QHO constantly strives to do is to make things sustainable and not just going into a community teaching a lesson and then leaving it's like giving them the tools they need to succeed in the long term which we kind of just talk on in a deeper level really in this master's program yeah no that's so neat that you're able to um like take your passion for qho and now that you're able to um like like you said take it to a deeper level um and maybe even do something with global health in the future. Yeah, and some of the classes that I have to take in this master's seem really difficult at the moment. Like at this one class, my globalization class, we talk a lot about the economy, um, mm. a lot about politics and coming from a kinesiology background that's right. something not well-versed in at all. Yeah, But it's kind of, realizing global health is not just like the actual aspect of health. There are so many different Mm. factors that influence it. And, you know, the different classes I have to take, this is only my first semester. When I registered for them on our, like on the online database, I was like, why the heck do I have to take these classes? Like I'm supposed to take like learning about health. Like what? Exactly. And it's really this first, it's like learning. You have to know the, the backbone of global mm-hmm. health in order to really be successful in the field and being able to learn from my professors and um, McMaster's in collaboration with different universities around the world, lead, learning yeah. um, these different professors around the world. It's really interesting hearing their perspectives. And my second semester, I'm actually, I'm supposed to be going to Maastricht University in the Netherlands, but because of COVID, that yeah. But I'm still studying at Maastricht. So it'll be all okay. interested in hearing. I'll yeah. be having all my classes taught from um, professors from the Netherlands. So that'll be interesting hearing yeah. their perspective as well. For sure. Yeah. So then you still get that component of kind of like a different global perspective. Exactly. Exactly. That is so awesome. Okay. Well, I am so excited for you and I love chatting with you today and hearing about your experience on QHO and on initiative in Guyana. Um, And I'm really excited to hear more about how your master's in global health goes. Oh, thank you. It's been so much fun chatting with you as well. I think that this is so great that QHO has these podcasts um, and just, you know, these kind of um, I don't know how to say it, informal chats about people's experience on initiative and what it's really like, because 
I can't speak highly enough about this organization. I feel like my family starts to roll their eyes when we're at <laughs> in our conversation. Yeah. And they're like, don't bring up QHO, she'll talk for hours. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that. Here's a platform that you can talk about QHO. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, well, thank you again, Liz. Yes, of course. And that's a wrap for episode four of QHO on Air. Check out the episode description for more information on our two lovely guests. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to the episode. Remember, be kind to yourself and others.